0: Hey, 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 welcome back. Another great episode today, zooming in from the lower mainland of British Columbia, beautiful New Westminster. To be specific, we've got Mr. Ben Wasserel, who is a very accomplished real estate investor, real estate entrepreneur who's doing bigger and better deals all the time while living in a heritage house that he has just renovated and he's got people touring around because it's part of the heritage whole scene of New Westminster. So, Benoit, welcome to the show. Great to see you.
1: Hey, Dave. Thank you for having me today.
0: My pleasure. So, Benoit, I'm picking up an ever so slight French-sounding accent, which I should pick up if you see my last name, but I am a fake Frenchman. I speak no French, unfortunately, but tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, where you're from, and what got you into real estate investing and New Westminster at this point
1: so the accent is, uh, is real, israel you know it's um, it's uh, imported from france uh, born and raised in paris and uh, moved to canada 22 years ago i uh, landed in uh, my wife uh, uh, found, i found my my wife in a, in, a, in a shuttle between uh, london and, and 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 paris and all my life changed at that time so uh-huh. i just, uh, moved to to vancouver uh, in 2000 thanks to the financial crisis i moved to, to 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 montreal and that's where the the starting point of my investment career in fact in a career journey in a, in a, in real estate
0: and so you started investing when you were living in montreal those were and what kind of deals were you doing in montreal initially so i
1: started with a condo acquisition uh, value add again uh, Phillips essentially and uh, started to increase a little bit the deal size and uh, partner with uh, with uh, wholesalers, you know. And back then it was more like developers slash wholesalers uh, doing some condo conversions. So I've mm. been uh, doing a bunch of. Uh, in fact, I started to do a lot of uh, uh, project like that with uh, again with uh, one of a handful of uh, of partners buying some mid-sized buildings and, and started to piecemeal and and do a lot of renovations so, uh,
0: so basically turning a turning an apartment building into condominiums is that correct exactly got it okay and how long did you do that for and then what did you start doing after that so I lived in uh, in Montreal for 10 years so
1: uh, probably the first two years was a uh, discovery and uh, to, uh, so I started my journey probably again uh, 18 let's say 20 years ago 18 years ago uh the first the first acquisition and so I did that for until I left uh, Montreal to, to Toronto, so uh, probably eight years uh, in a row, different size. Again, sometimes just a, a portion of a, of a larger building. Sometimes there's a whole building when it's, uh, and yeah, so different, uh, different
0: targets. Very cool. So what, what do you focus on primarily these days, Benoit? What's, what is your bread and butter real estate investing strategy? So the main
1: strategy is uh, acquiring uh, apartment buildings, distressed apartment buildings, value add strategy, mm-hmm. repositioning them, keeping them with the help of uh, other investors. So we uh, we acquire let's say mid size from twenty to hundred units. Mm-hmm. Um, so sometimes portfolios, and we uh, position them with uh, through through APGP structures. And, that's and main, what, what markets
0: are you working in? I know you work in a variety of markets. What are kind of your main markets for these kind of buildings?
1: So we have started. We started in BC on Vancouver Island, then expanded to New Brunswick. New Brunswick, we have a large operation. In fact, mm-hmm. larger, still ramping up. And uh, open also uh, did a first project in, uh, in Edmonton, so in Alberta at the moment, and we are inquiring in,
0: uh, in Quebec. So, yeah, Australia. kind of expanding nationwide. Wow. Coast just, to coast, uh, literally. I mean, British Columbia for our American friends is, is on the Pacific coast, New Brunswick's on the Atlantic coast. Uh, yeah, so across the, the entire country. Very, very cool. Now, Benoit, how did, you, how did you move from doing the condo conversions into doing these larger property deals? These, uh, I guess you're doing syndications these days. Is that correct?
1: That's exactly it. So how do we get to repeat, please, the question?
0: Yeah, how did, you, how did you make that transition?
1: Oh, from a condo conversion to a, to a multifamily. Ultimately, I like uh, the value add. I like uh, the transformation, subliming, you know, and all the little diamond in the rough. Yeah. So that was uh, probably what uh, drive me the most uh, back then. And from a condo, a condo flip to a house flip to a to a multifamily flip, it's the same same idea. And yeah. the, the only difference uh, that I didn't know for for a very long time is all the intricacies of uh, refinancing, the birth strategy. Yes. And so yep. it really is the, the, the difference of. Uh, I had to sell because I didn't know how to refinance back then. How to hold
0: on to them? Yeah, that makes a huge difference, doesn't it? I mean, flipping's okay for quick little pops of cash. There's zero that's passive about it. So now now you've figured out that, hey, we can do all that work that's involved with a flip, get most of our money back out of the deal, and still continue to hold on to it, cash flow it, pay down the mortgages, all the great stuff that comes along with buying old. Tax-free
1: when you refinance, which correct. is a huge, huge, huge uh, breakthrough when I uh, when I, I discovered that.
0: That's one of those Eureka moments.
1: Exactly. <laughs> so I pivoted completely. In fact, uh, I, I was uh, at some point a CEO of the Canada Line, you know, which is a, a PPP project in Vancouver. Uh-huh. So fast forward of my, uh the, the last uh, the peak of my career my corporate life after that i worked with a real estate developer in vancouver so in construction mm-hmm. and uh, i realized the risk was uh, pretty high even though the risk is a high risk high return but it's a high risk and yes. i didn't really like uh, the, the the risk profile for for the for the risk for the for the profile, profile returns and i wanted this is where i started to think what uh, what could be the a good, uh, a better uh, distribution of returns and and a more more contain uh, contain risk uh, profile and, and uh, the birth existing asset distress so that you have you start with the cash flowing property mm-hmm. and uh, and still have a lot of a uh, possibility to fall the appreciation which I love the most.
0: Yeah, that is such a huge shift and and because so many people think that development is the way to go. And there's nothing wrong with development. The challenge is, as you pointed out, it can be a risky business. Plus there's really, I mean, after the deal, there's so many years go into developing one of these properties. And, and basically, as far as I understand with my limited experience, it's, it's one big payday is when you kind of sell the whole thing. Then you, you got your pot of cash to go off and do the next thing but it's feast and famine a, a lot with that business model isn't it isn't it benoit so this is
1: exactly it. so the, obviously there's a big payday but uh, there's a lot of people who lose, uh, lose their shirt you know along the way and unfortunately the current market is not prone to, uh, to those type of development yeah and traditionally people or developers used to uh, to accept or have a green light even from a lender's standpoint at 15 percent return on cost so this is extremely, extremely lean. It was fine you know, when the market was stable or interest rates were low, but now things have changed. So everything now is a, a lot of projects are on the back burner because again, there were asset appreciations, play and not cash flow. So
0: speculative, me, very, exactly. very speculative. Yeah. Because I'm hearing about all of these development deals primarily in Ontario where there was this feeding frenzy of people going into these pre-construction condos, putting down a pretty small deposit, 5% or whatever, locking in at that future built-out price, expecting the price to be much higher when the the property was, was finished. And then, ooh, interest rates go up, demand goes down. Now they're at the situation where it's like, okay, when this project finishes, our condo is going to be worth less than what we agreed to pay for it. So a lot of people say, well, okay, I'll just walk away from my my deposit. But now the developers are saying, okay, well, go ahead, walk away from the deposit, but you're you're legally bound under this to purchase it. So we'll take it back. We'll sell it for whatever we get, and we'll sue you for the difference. So scary, scary stuff in in that area. So Yeah, makes sense. So now you're getting into these value add multifamily. You've been, you've gotten into this, so you're able to get that diamond in the rough. That's already when you buy it day one, ideally is cash flowing, so it's 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 making a little profit. But there's a big upside to that. By are are you typically freshening up these buildings, bringing them up to today's standards, kind of thing, and then. Being able to increase increase the rents that way so, to, to increase the value. There's
1: different different strategies, but uh, some are more disruptive than others. You know, so it's, if you have to to mobile, take uh, take position of uh, some some units, which is where some some sometimes the rents are under under market, which is why you have some upside. But this is disruptive. Some other strategies that we like to do is to create density. You know, so adding uh, isn't adding more units or or subdividing the, the same unit by adding more more rooms, for example, which is also, this time is very welcomed by the, by the community because when it's really in an environment where there's no inventory, not enough, you cannot be judged by just increasing rent. This time you're not only, you're in fact becoming more affordable units because you create a unit, if you, if you rent a room, which is what we do in a, in a student area, for example, perfect for, for 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 the strategy mm-hmm. uh, you end up by providing in fact more affordable units and and making much more income so it's it's a win win across the board
0: so that's very interesting Benoit. can you walk me through an example of the student housing situation that you've done like that where yeah. what what was it like when you bought it and what did you turn it into so it
1: one first acquisition uh, we purchased a bit high because we were looking, uh, you know, it was during the, the, the buyers, let's say the sellers market, which is, mm-hmm. uh, let's say, a year ago. Yeah. And uh, so it was difficult to find good, uh, good assets. But if you have the vision, you know, you, you have some fundamental uh, inherent value that others don't see sometimes, yeah. and you're lucky enough to, uh, to have this, uh, then, uh, then we, we decided to, uh, to make an offer a purchase at 200K above a uh, uh, price value. And we were okay with that it's uh, 16 units so we, uh, we, uh, we uh, so we purchased a bit high and uh, we have uh, converted all the units into uh, it was a 2 bedroom unit mix so 16 times uh, two bedrooms and uh, we converted all of those units into uh, into three bedrooms
0: Wow okay so 16 one six right 16 units yeah. where what city was this in Benoit? It was in uh, Sackville, New brunswick Okay, in New Brunswick. Okay, so a university town. There was a shortage of university housing.
1: Exactly. So, yeah, so- at the, at the same time, the university was uh, removing some uh, some some supply by yeah. converting some dormitories into rooms. So therefore, much less uh, inventory at, at a particular time, and uh, also the course, you know, New Brunswick is uh, is very affordable and it's mm-hmm. very appealing for. Me. For foreign students, for example, so it is a there is some, some appeal for, for immigration and also for cost of living, etc. So bottom Are line, you? we we were we decided to do this uh, this strategy, and we refinance, we doubled the value of the building, and uh, yeah, the cash flow is a. Uh,
0: that's so great. To, twice
1: at least uh, the initial components.
0: So you you went from a 16 unit building, which was actually more than that. It was it was 32 because you're renting by the room. Yes. But you took it from 32 plus 16, so now you're at uh, 48 rental exactly. units, really, mm-hmm. in the same size property. And by doing that, first of all, how long did it take you to to turn those units over and convert them into three bedrooms? So it is, uh,
1: we're about to complete the project. We acquired it, I think, in July last year. And mm-hmm. uh, we are finishing the renovation on the last uh, two units. So everything is was pretty and So now we are. We have we've left the rate, we've refinanced, we are ready just to, uh, to finish uh, the renovation and, and just to, uh, to close it. Uh,
0: so refinance. you'll be good to go for September this year, for sure? Probably a month mm-hmm. away, in one uh-huh. month. That is that is really really cool. That's 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 forcing up the value without having to raise the rents necessarily, creating a, a win-win-win scenario for everybody. Exactly. Yeah. So that's so thinking the building, outside of the box. The building was
1: distressed. I mean, there was so much uh, so much uh, health issues. You know, so the tenants were happy to leave ultimately, and so we brought back. Uh, so we had to take uh, the building because it was in poor condition. So we had yeah. to do a lot of uh, renovation and at the same time, not only fix uh, all the systems so, so that we can give another 30 years life, you know, at the very least for all the major systems, but at the same time creating the density so that now we can bring back with uh, a project that is uh, to, to, uh, directed to, uh, to to students and they love it. Yeah. We end up with a mix of uh, surprisingly uh, students and, and professionals. So we have doctors, we have really? nurses. Yeah, it's uh, pretty cool. That is very they take great. they take one one floor so that they are less less parties, you know. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, it is uh, so we try to do it uh, a bit uh, higher end so that yeah. it's very comfortable, very uh, uh, yeah, uh convenient. Yeah.
0: You know, so the the, doc- the well. doctors and the professionals that are staying there are are they just in town temporarily type thing or what's what's the deal? I don't have the full uh, the full story of
1: all those students. We have uh, our local partners' management okay. relationship, but uh, yes, I would say it's uh, obviously temporary. Sometimes they need the horsepower. Some there's a movement between uh, between staff, you know, yeah. across the province, and maybe this is one of them. There's also immigrants. You know, we had uh, yeah. some people coming from uh, from Ukraine. Mm. Obviously, and uh, and uh, and yeah, they, this they need really, good, I mean,
0: medium-term furnished accommodation, kind of thing. Easy yeah.
1: to uh, to come in, you know, something very comfortable, and uh, and that's uh, so that they can start a, a new life sometime. And this yeah. is what they want: comfortable and and play.
0: So that's an example of doing that with student housing. Have you done the same kind of idea with the densification with with more traditional rentals as well? So we are
1: doing this also in Edmonton. you know, okay. same, same logic. Uh, we are ultimately, it's the same division of students again. We're okay. in the middle of renovation, so we don't have release yet. But uh, we believe we will end up with a mix of students. Again, it's, all, it's a matter of timing. If you miss the season, the student season, then obviously the demand is, is less. If you're right on time, then probably you can fill your building with students only. Uh, I believe we will end up in Edmonton with co-living, a mix of uh, students and people who, again, look for affordability and comfort.
0: Right. Yeah. So, co-living is co-living. becoming a real a real big deal Exactly. Uh, for all of those reasons. Excellent, Benoit. So on the capital side of things, now that you've worked into these bigger deals and you're starting to do syndications and GPLP-type structures, what do you find works best for you, for finding investors and raising capital for your deals?
1: Good partners who have good relationships—that's the starting point. Yeah,
0: you know? so you're bringing you're bringing on partners who have those connections who can who can raise the capital for your deals. Is that what that I was uh,
1: that was very uh, strategic. At some point, I um, I'm a, an immigrant, you know, so I don't necessarily have a, a lots of connections, long term connections. My friends also sometimes prefer to keep me as a friend and more and not as an investor. so that was one of the of the issue along the way. but um, this uh, has been uh, uh, surpassed by joining some investment groups, you know, real estate uh, dedicated uh, groups and and also having uh, quality partners.
0: So joining the groups to find these these partners that, that uh, help bring on investors or, or joining these groups and getting investors from the groups?
1: So getting, uh, getting investors from the group so that mm-hmm. we can really publish and market a little bit uh, talk about uh, what we're doing mm-hmm. and uh, and build in fact some people who like what we're doing and start yeah. to, to create this uh, network. And it's, uh, it's a slow process obviously.
0: Yeah, well it is. And I've, I've spoken to, it's a smart process. Because within any of these kind of groups, you've got folks who are at different levels. You've got people like yourself who are rocking and rolling, who are full-time investors. They're, they're, they're doing it. And then you've got a lot of people that are kind of tiptoeing, dipping their toe into it, scared to jump in all by themselves, but they would like to partner with smart guys like you who are already experienced and, and have a track record. Uh, so that makes a lot of sense. You don't have to sell anybody on the idea of the benefits of investing in real estate. However, the challenge is, as you said, it can be a bit of a slow go, and it can become kind of a, a feeding frenzy sometimes because poof, everybody's trying to get these invest. Everybody's all the active guys are trying to raise capital, so it it, it can be a little bit. Dicey that way sometimes,
1: and that's true. I mean, everybody has their own approach. We're pretty, we're not super active on the on the communication side. We prefer to be more passive and really demonstrate what sure what we're doing. And it's uh informally uh, people uh, come to you, you know, if they're interested. You But in if you inspire others, then obviously they are. It's it's an easier discussion. It's not a pitch.
0: Definitely. like like you said,
1: like you said, position yourself like a like a, like an expert, right?
0: Yeah. Well, at this point, at, at this point, you get to be anointed an expert, Bedwa. <laughs> <laughs> hey, let me ask you something. When it comes to bringing on partners as as GPs in this structure, general partners, um, what do you find has worked best as far as? how people are compensated for their different roles in the deal and and how that works so for example if you bring on a a, a co gp whose main job is to raise capital for a deal if you don't mind sharing how do you kind of structure that the responsibilities who does what when all that kind of thing so we have
1: not uh, we could expand that to uh it's on the plate, it's on the table to to have co-GPs for raising capital per se, but now this is not how we we do it. We have, uh, usually we tend to be three, uh, as part of uh, three groups, three families, you know, one local partner, we definitely take take the operation. Uh, I would be here just to, to set up the strategy, be the finance person and the construction, you know, expert somewhat. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, we have also a third, a third group, who is uh, more lawyers. Two lawyers in the team. So one it cover all sorts of uh, all the all the key the key aspects. You know, securities, real estate, uh, corporate, and uh, and uh, and tax. So mm-hmm. we have a very strong arm. So this is how we structure our team. And among the, this team, we all have the hat. We different wear different hats and uh, during the raising capital we're all pitching
0: got it all right that makes sense and and you've worked with this team well i guess the the local team will depend on where the deal is right uh, that's that's yes. that's going to be very deal location specific but you and and the the lawyer group that's kind of the the constant that goes from deal to deal is would that be fair to say that's exactly it yes yeah and then everybody's kind of like everybody's job to to pitch and raise the, the capital for the deal so what we, so we don't uh, the- so,
1: so to answer your question we don't uh, we don't have uh, some equity related to this uh, contribution we like to have like a same equal, equal effort if you want and therefore it's an easier pitch uh, easier discussion to to share the, the equity equally.
0: right exactly all right so it's got but everybody's expected to pitch we'll in there's, the there's just nobody's Nobody's no. keeping count of how... Not,
1: and that's uh, easier. Uh, it's uh, at least everybody has the same skin in the game. You know, if the, if the race is more difficult, then again, we have more support as opposed to under one person. Mm-hmm. And um, otherwise, uh, we go to an EMD, and uh, even EMD do not perform. So so that, uh, we want people who are incentivized and skin in the game.
0: Yeah, no, that makes sense. So what what have you guys found, you know, when when you are raising capital, bringing on investors for limited partners for for a deal. We've talked about, you know, you you you're part of these groups, that's something that you do, but that's more of a an organic kind of a thing. You're not really overtly soliciting investors necessarily from that. So what do you guys typically do? to get the word out and raise capital for these larger type projects? So,
1: like you said, we are syndicators. So for us, the starting point is uh, we like to come with a good deal, you know, it's, a, it's an easier, again, easier pitch uh, because if it's, uh, if it's that good, uh, then it's self-fulfilling, you know. Uh, otherwise, it's, uh, I find that more difficult and uh, more time consuming to, 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 to be upfront and have those recurring discussions. Mm. I don't have the time for it, so so we prefer putting all the effort in finding the gem, and then having a you know, done due diligence, de-risk the project, and when we come with something, it's always it's always a good uh, good uh, good. We believe it's always a good uh, investment, and therefore people don't uh, get excited. It's uh, tangible. It's quicker.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, that makes sense, but you're going after a specific group then are you going after a specific batch of people that you're approaching about your deals once you've got them on the go. So do you have a list of prospective investors already kind of lined up or how do you guys do that side of the thing?
1: So we have built a, a network of investors. So people you know we have a, kind of a VIP uh yeah. investors who are following us. So we have a few hundreds a uh, few hundred investors and we still I'd like to have a few thousand, but it's a, it's a <laughs> yeah. growing, growing number. And uh, we don't, uh, some of us, our, our group are more, you know, like uh, those uh, networking uh, and uh, really are good at it. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm better in, in finding the deals, you know, some, uh, in some areas. So, so therefore, we have this ongoing discussion to build the, ne- the network. So we have this VIP list. So when we're ready to go, obviously, there will be the first People receive the communication, but then after once, if you have not filled the, the, the raise immediately with the, the people we know, then obviously we start to, to to go through the groups and and even do some uh, some uh, some Facebook uh, publication and boost boost uh, and therefore open in the open uh, open, uh, in, open the blue, in the blue in the blue city, and then you just uh, do the numbers numbers game two percent the right. traditional numbers. Yeah, yeah, but that would not be very successful. I realize that it's not the best strategy, or I've not invested probably enough uh, money in in those to to see some some uh, some decent uh, results.
0: Yeah, well, I think what you're doing is for for your situation is is smart, Benoit. I mean, I, my my philosophy is a little bit different. I I say wherever possible, try to have your investors lined up first, and then. And then find the deal, which you kind of have because you you talk about you've got the VIP list. These are people that. With already...
1: VIPs, the friends and families, that we have already recurring investors. You know yeah. that's uh, obviously uh, the few other the projects we've done so far return. Uh, you know the capital very quickly. You mm-hmm. know, uh, let's say we our contract is uh, to commit to seventy percent within within back then within the first uh, the first 12 months or 24 months so and sometimes we were able to do better yeah so in that situation people get excited the money is there always to invest so what are we doing so yeah then if they already- got their money
0: back what exactly what are they going to do with it they want to reinvest it so that's that's perfect you you actually do have people ready to jump already, on that yeah. next deal yeah so I think I think you're in a good position there um what what you might do and maybe you guys are already doing this is just kind of figure out a way of having a a regular cadence of communications between deals with those VIPs and non-VIPs all all of these leads that you've generated over the over the years over the different deals do you guys kind of keep in touch with those people between the 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 offerings so oh. This is obviously
1: a work in progress, you know. So, uh, so we also vary in our in our operation. We don't have uh, subcontractors or people working with us, you know, who could take this uh, this active role. But yes, we 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 tend to to be proactive. So, so some of us are better than than, than myself, for example. But uh, but for example, we are going next week uh, to Toronto just to see uh, to see some of our investors again to thank them in person. For, some of them we've been have reinvested with us and have not had a chance to meet them in person yet. You know? So also that's yeah. Uh, yeah. that's a big uh, big deal. So we try to to do this. Um, it's just a first pass, and definitely agree with you. I'd love to uh, to do better.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I think you guys are, I think you guys are doing very very well um, with what you're doing. Yeah, there's there there's always room for improvement. God knows I could improve in many many areas of my life. That's for sure. Uh, but yeah, I think that that constant, consistent touch point with your with your past investors and prospective investors that would go a long way. And then the other thing is that you're sitting on Benoit is you've got a bunch of happy past investors who've gotten gotten their money back. They still have equity in the deals, or uh, do they keep equity in the deal after they've been cashed out, or are they cashed out completely? So depends the
1: structure. We for for our equity offerings, we offer preferred returns. So for that, there would be cash out. You know, at at the end of the term. But some others prefer to have the equity share and therefore remain in the deal after.
0: Okay, so, uh, so it depends the, on on the deal and app. on the investor as well.
1: Exactly.
0: So the the other real easy thing to go after are referrals. And I'm sure yeah. you guys have got some of some of that going on, but a lot of people are very passive about referrals. Um, if, if you become proactive about them, then that's going to be a, a massive shortcut for you guys to finding a lot more grade A investors because your active investors tend to know other people at a very similar socio and economic level, right? So if you're proactive about getting two things, testimonials, video testimonials, ideally, and number two, warm introductions to their contacts, then that's going to, I think that could put everything that you're doing on, on overdrive. Yeah, it's no, but you're, you're very, very well set up, my friend. So Benoit, my goodness, time flies when we're having fun. We've blasted past our, our normal recording time, but that's okay because it's been a really good conversation. If people would like to connect with Mr. Benoit Sorel, what's the number one place they can do that?
1: Uh, by mail
0: or... Do you have a website that people can check out and click on the Contact Us tab?
1: Sure, so it's silentproperties.com.
0: So that's easy enough. properties.com.
1: Siden S-I-G-E-N, delta E-N, properties.com. Here we go.
0: Well, Benoit, congratulations on what you've done, what you've accomplished, what you're doing, and what you're going to be doing in the future. I think it's very exciting. Thanks for sharing thank you. your experience with us.
1: Thank you, Dave, and thank you for the tips. that took some notes.
0: <laughs> My pleasure. All right, everybody, take care, and we will talk to you soon. Bye, Dave.